You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 11 of the Amen Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. What a shitty fucking week this is. <laughs> Terrible week. This is the week that the truth died. <laughs> well, I don't know whether this is the week that truth died, but it well, certainly reinforced the fact that truth is dead. Truth is dead. And I really feel, I felt up until this point that there would be enough people who, when presented with a clear right. set of facts, would say, you know, I thought this, but now that I am presented with these facts, right. I when have this all went down, mind. let's go back four or five episodes when all this yeah. started going down. You were very positive. You're like, well, look, this is a game changer. This should be a game changer. We have this plot that, as we've been told this week by numerous authorities on national security and former and current uh, professional diplomats, this was a plot that was being executed in full view of all of these people. And all of these witnesses were absolutely consistent with each other. And a number of these witnesses were actually Republican witnesses. Kurt Volker was a Republican witness. Uh, Sondland was a Republican witness. You know, and so they all told the same story, which was that... Everybody's story was absolutely consistent with the... Except Sondland was a little bit... Well, I mean, but Sondland gave it away. He said, look, everybody was involved in this. And absolutely, I was... My goal was was to say, you're not going to get the aid and you're not going to get a White House visit until you go on television on Fareed Zakaria and you say, I'm going to be investigating... Hunter right. Biden and Joe announced, Biden announced an investigation, and they said, "Is this a was this a quid pro quo?" And he said, "Yes, this was." Of a course, quid it pro was. Quo. Yeah, but, of course. So the Republican defense not is of course. Hand, it's not secondhand information. It's not thirdhand information. Right. It's not. Oh, oh, you don't really know what the president was thinking. And, right. Of course, it's crazy, but not a single Republican has broken rights. Look, Fiona Hill in her yeah. opening statement, oh, and she was awesome. awesome. She said, there are members of the committee who believe this story about Ukraine interfering in U.S. elections. Don't bother me with this nonsense. This is yeah. a fictional narrative that's been propagated by the Russian intelligence services. I mean, she was abundantly clear. And, and then happened? Thursday came to an end. And what did Devin Nunes said, say? He said, Ukraine interfered in the U.S. It's, it's as if... They don't. They're not hearing anything. Like everybody's talking past each other. Don't, Dude. don't, me, don't mix me up with your facts. I have my opinions. Right. This is what I believe. Or just my conspiracy theory. My to deflect. Right. Look, I knew this was going to be a soul crushing week. I was in. I was in Abu Dhabi. I was flying home. I was like, I don't know what I'm heading into. I was in an information blackout for 14 and a half hours, and it was terrible when I landed. And then it just got progressively worse. And then. The, the soul-crushing, the absolute soul-crushing thing happened this morning. I got up. I'm stretching out. I have CNN on for 15 minutes a day. It's when I'm stretching out. And along the crawl, it says that 
Senator Chuck Grassley, that guy who's been in office forever from Iowa, who is just the, just, he's, he recently was in an interview talking about Soros and all this craziness. This is the guy from the Judiciary Committee. So Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, who is deeply involved in this in some way that we don't yet know. How do you know that? What, that Ron Johnson? Yeah. Because there's been a number of episodes Uh and a number of news reports that put him in conversations or in places where he's involved with the White House in 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 this whole in this whole disinformation campaign. Again, no, 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 in the disinformation campaign about uh, uh, about what actually happened. Okay. And so, so you saw the crawl. So I saw the crawl, and it says that Grassley and Johnson are requesting that the National Archives provide them with records of the Obama White House's meetings with Ukrainian officials and DNC officials during the 2016 campaign. This is insane. So, so here we have we have everybody from Kurt Volker to um, Fiona Hill to yeah. Sondland to uh, Bill Taylor. We have witnesses from both ends all yeah. confirming that this was not Ukrainian election interference, but Russian election interference. Right. And Fiona Hill saying in no uncertain terms that this is a Russian story made up to tear us apart. And then after all that's over, all of this is over, these two senators who are going to sit in judgment and in the trial of the president are requesting these records, these non-existent thing that happened. We're in bizarre world, and the fact that not one bizarre is is the world is it, it feels like the world is square, but there's not one Republican in Congress who listened to all of that testimony and said, "You know, maybe I was wrong about all this because I will heard with with an avalanche of facts." Will heard where will heard who is supposed from? to be a maybe right. a Republican who's going to vote for impeachment. Who's right. a former CIA officer, operations you, guy, yeah. says you doesn't question Fiona Hill or or, or the other guy. What was his name? Holmes doesn't yeah. question them, but uses his time to say that we need to hear from the whistleblower. Holy crap! How, how can you explain that? How I don't know. I do not know. I mean, do you the think only thing I could visit? say is. He was paid a visit at, late at night by some scary. Well, you know what the White House is doing? They're inviting all these. Republican yeah. congressman to to uh, to Camp David and wooing them and so on and so on. I don't think that's the case with Will Hurd. He may think that he wants to run for office again sometime in the future, yeah. and he wants to be. And since and and since you know Texas is Republican, although my my understanding is that Texas is turning purple. I just don't understand purple. it because what happens now when? the State Department or the CIA or the Defense Department has to interact with members of Congress on national security issues, on issues related to Russia. They're going to hollow out those departments anyway. It's really... But let me ask you a question here, because you mentioned that that the president is trying to woo senators with these trips to camp. Not senators, members of the House. Was it members of the House? Members of the House, no senators. Oh, really? Yeah. At any rate... 
Yes. I thought Camp David was a shithole. Well, that's what he keeps saying. Right? So now all of a I sudden... Mean, it, it, how are well, they you know, he out? likes... Why he likes he gilded to gold to toilets. Right, Not everybody likes that. I mean, it is a hist- it's an extraordinarily historic place. Can you imagine staying in the cabin that Anwar Sadat or Menachem Begin yeah, stayed in during the Camp right. David negotiations. I mean, you know, look, it's probably not um, the Four Seasons. Um, no, but I mean, it wasn't the whole point of, like, why Trump wanted to have the G7 at the Doral, at his Doral right. resort, was because Camp David is a shithole? Right. But, no, but Trump isn't going. He calls in. So Mick yeah. Mulvaney uh, and the White House liaison to the, so cap, to the, the B, Congress. The B team goes he, he said, well, I wouldn't call the acting chief of staff the B team, but he sends I would staff call with him. the B team. <laughs> Sorry, he's definitely on the B team. Well, I mean, he is, he's, he's low rent. He <laughs> was, you know, a, he was this Tea Party backbencher type. And now he's the acting chief of staff. And so when you're the chief of staff of the White House, acting or not, you're not, by definition, you're not B team. Yeah. But whatever. He goes with his former colleagues and they kind of woo them and this, that, and the other thing. That's part of the defense. I don't think they need to do it, though. No, because they're already on board. Nah, it's it's exactly right. That's exactly right. This is like... So... Watching this, so he will I'm be impeached thinking, and he will be acquitted. Right. But watching this, I'm thinking, look at these civil servants and how brave they are. Right. And how accomplished they are as right. professionals. And I think this is what is great about our country. Well, okay. And then right. to go from that to the understanding very quickly right. that doesn't fucking matter what they say because they're not being listened to anyway. Right. I don't know who it was. Someone someone pointed out the fact that you you have these kind of very brave civil servants who've dedicated their lives to public service. Yeah. And they've done a very brave thing. Um, especially given how, you know, this administration responds and they meanwhile their bosses are all hiding and ducking for cover. And their bosses are hacks. They're partisan right. hacks. That's, That's exactly right. I mean, Pompeo, the other thing that the rumor swirling this week was that, that Pompeo was going to resign because Trump has no. tarnished his reputation. How about Pompeo's own actions during this? Right. And now that people forget that Pompeo politicized intelligence and, and was one of the leaders of this during the Benghazi investigation. How could you could you imagine walking in as a career State Department official and knowing that your boss does not have your back, right? And that if the shit hits the fan, you're gonna dangle in the wind because he's gonna let you. It's it must be it, it's it's probably worse than when Tillerson was there, because Tillerson be basically ignored the 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 Foreign Service and the civil servants in the State Department. He just ignored them. Pompeo is. Actively undermining them. I know somebody, and you know this person yes. as well. I'm not going to name names. Who right. is in the State Department? And I had a conversation with that person mm, at the end of the summer, and that person mm-hmm. told me, and that person had worked with uh, a number of secretaries of state, mm-hmm. including the last two. Mm-hmm. And that person told me that while they like Tillerson personally and disagreed with some of what was happening, that person told me that Mike Pompeo is a big piece of garbage. Right. And and that no and it's terrible working there with him. He comes across in public when he's yeah. in a public 
venue as someone who's kind of gregarious and friendly and stuff, but he's this he's the an ideological warrior. And um, in a way that in a way that uh, in a way that tech Tillerson wasn't. But I can't, it's amazing though that someone is making Tillerson look good. I was I over the past weekend when I was in Abu Dhabi, I saw a, an old friend of mine who left the State Department a number of years ago. Career Foreign Service officer had been an ambassador in a number of very important countries, um, and you know I said, "Hey, you know how you, how you doing and stuff?" And he said, "To be honest with you, I have like survivor syndrome." Like, I see what's happened to this. I mean, these are people who don't devote their entire lives to this right. enterprise, and they feel very strongly about it. And the Foreign Service is a, is, it, it is, you know, it, 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 there is an esprit de corps. There is a, there is a sense of, you know, high standards and professionalism and so on and so forth. You know, the, the, it's, it's not, it doesn't always meet that way. The State Department has a reputation for a lot of backbiting and right. things like that. But... Foreign service officers feel, you know, in the same way that military officers feel very strongly about their fellow officers and their integrity and their, you know, not everybody lives up to it. And he he just felt like, wow, I got out uh, a a number of years ago and it's it's terrible and I feel so bad for my colleagues who've remained in. It's I mean, it really, really... so he, this was he wasn't you know messing around he wasn't kidding around he felt very very strongly about this you could see in the in the emotion in his face and 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 like the kind of way his he, his voice was constricted when he was telling me this stuff so it's just it's terrible terrible it's but, really bad because it it really you know it, it, it's a terrible it does not portend well for twenty twenty well and it then, really doesn't. Again, we have talked about this over and over and over again. He will be he will be impeached in the House, and right. there will be a trial in the Senate, and he will right. be acquitted. Right. He will feel empowered as a result. Exactly. And, then, and that's exactly what this boils down to. Right. The rule of law is no longer important because we are, there's an entire political party, one of the two, that is saying that there are people who are above the law and that the law doesn't apply right. to the President of the United States. And guess what, my friend? If you think that if he wins again, he's not going to run for a third term, I think you're right. mistaken. Well, that's I've been hearing that from people all week, saying, you know, they'll, he'll pull some maneuver where he'll say that they have to change the Constitution. And that yeah. one can see, one can imagine members of the Republican Party saying, oh, yes, we need to do this to protect the country from socialists or something like that. Yeah. I mean, and not to be it. alarmist about it, but, you know, enough... Things have happened over the course of the last now almost three years where it's not actually that hard to imagine because because he has so much support within his party. 87% of Republicans approve of the president's support job that he's doing. That's like dictatorship level approval ratings. Well, I mean, it is really rather extraordinary to think about uh, everything that's happened and the the way in which America is the way in which America consumes its news. Um, like I've said this over and over again, how many times I've been in places where the TV in the airport and the hotels are tuned to Fox, are tuned to tuned to Fox the whole time. Um, well, I I mean I think you and I talked about this. We may have even talked about it on one of the podcast a couple of years ago when I was visiting your alma mater 
Vassar College with Yep. And we went for lunch afterwards and we were in it was like a Jamaican restaurant. And mm-hmm. I was and the TV was going and it was the middle of the day, it was lunchtime. And the yeah. TV was on and it was like some local some show. Like right. a, a pro, like one of the programs. <laughs> right? Like yeah. what we used to call the stories. Right. When we were growing up, people watched the stories during the day. Right, soap right. Operas. The soap operas. Now, yeah. Right. Now, they watch Fox. they're watching Fox News, and that has replaced their stories. Right. Well, my mom, my mom has MSNBC on all day long when she's home. It's not quite the same thing. No, anymore. it isn't quite the same. I know. It's I'm just saying. I'm just saying that, that you're right. Like, I don't know. She's never a big soap opera watcher. But... <laughs> Um, well, and she went back to work. Well, you know, I don't right, know. But, I guess this, has but, still, but this has replaced the soap operas, right? Yeah. So, it's really, really so it's you know, one can. I mean, if people, he again, not to sound alarmist, but he understood that his followers were so devoted to him that he could murder someone on Fifth Avenue in daylight and nothing and, would happen to him. And now one supporter. Right, now extrapolate out what's happening. Now, he said that during the campaign. Now extrapolate out three years, and you see all of the things that have happened and all of the things that they're willing to do to protect the president. But it's not just his supporters. It's now an entire system. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that one can imagine this, you know, for the president to say, no, you know, third term. Again, it remains within the realm of imagination, but it's not something that you should totally discount. So, because I've seen authority, we've seen authoritarians do this around the world and the president has those tendencies and his core supporters, the evangelicals, these people, they're not Democrats. They're religious authoritarians. And they're not going to leave them. They are not going to leave them. So, once again, I'm going back to the thing that I always say. That once this goes to the Senate, mm. and if it becomes clear that he's going to be acquitted, yeah, people need to go out in the streets and make their voices heard. Because clearly the voices of the majority yeah. of Americans are no longer being counted. It's, again, it still remains a mystery to me that we have not had the kind of large... Protests that we had at the beginning of the administration, and that's happening all over the world. All over the world, it's going to happen here. It will. It will. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I maybe need to lead it, but it will happen here. So I'm, I'm I'm ready to lead. I'm raising my hand. I just, I find it a mystery though that it hasn't happened yet. So much has happened. So I, I, there hasn't been a big, there hasn't been a big protest since the whole Charlottesville incident. So we need some right? sort of event as a catalyst, right? Well, I mean, there's been shooting. Oh, well, there was the big, there was the big um, anti-gun gun march. Yeah, okay, gun rally. but that's not, but that's not an anti-Trump rally, right? That's Although he's a, become so identified with the NRA as well. Well, that's true, but I'm talking about um, specifically anti-Trump. I'm talking about a, um, a rally that says we are Americans for the rule of law, and right. we demand. That the law be actually implemented. Dude, I'm I'm worried. I'm worried about. Um, I'm worried about the presidential election. What's to worry about? It seems like a foregone conclusion. <laughs> no, but I, I, you know, the the, it's, I'm still haunted by that polling from a number of weeks ago in which he beats yeah. everybody. Well, in those in those swing states. In those swing states, right? Right. 
But again, well, it wouldn't matter states. if we had the popular vote, but we have the electoral college, right? So it's really it boil, it's going to boil down to a couple of states in the Midwest where guess who polls right. really well against them? Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Yeah. Joe Biden is the only Democratic candidate who polls well against Trump in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania. And a friend of mine today said said that said this person was thought Bloomberg was the answer, and Bloomberg's not going to be able to win anywhere. Bloomberg is about to spend $30 million on TV ads this week. I know, but can they, I mean, they're going to run against his soda tax, uh, his, his it's funny, principal position on, his principal position on guns and, the, and climate change. I mean, these are things that are, you know, core issues for the, the Republican Party never, at this point. never really took effect. Sarah Palin mentioned it. Remember Sarah Palin mentioned it in her when she accepted the nomination as uh, for vice president in yeah. two thousand eight. It was pretty funny. Don't ta- don't tax my soda. <laughs> Get your government hands off of my. Soda. Oh my big gulp, baby. Off of my super big gulp. My super size. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna take a very controversial position here Go. and say soda is gross. <laughs> I, you know what? I've really cut it out. I have, have it once in a blue moon. I never have it anymore. Never. So I basically live on water and coffee. Yeah. I had mango juice. I had mango juice in the UAE. That was so good. Mm. Yeah, baby. Pure sugar. No, there was no. It was so- fresh mango juice. Okay. It was soda, no sugar. Soda, either diet or regular, is yeah. fucking poison. Yeah, does bad diet stuff to your insides. Diet is more poison than regular, but it's awful. <laughs> oh, man. I think about all those so, Diet Cokes I had previously. Oh, dude, I used to drink I used to drink soda. Dude, then, Diet Dr. Pepper got me through grad school. Am I going to die? Am I going to grow good. another ear when I'm old? I think at this point, if you haven't grown the other ear, you're not going to. It's like smoking. If it didn't cause you cancer back then, you're fine. What does it do to what does diet soda do to you over the long term? I don't think they know over the long term. Do really? They? I don't know. Oh my God. Did I ever tell you about the experiment that we did? My here? sister used to have tab for breakfast. Tab and two Oreo cookies. Did I ever I tell think you my mother didn't want to fight with her? The, the science experiment we had here a few years ago? No. We took we took a two liter a bottle a two liter bottle of Coke. Yeah. Like kosher for Passover Coke, which is not with corn syrup but with regular sugar. Oh, uh, that's better. And we boiled it. We boiled it. We boiled it. it. <laughs> and what was left at the end is like this black tar. Okay? <laughs> oh, man, nasty. And you go fill a pothole in it. Yeah. And then the next day, we took a two-liter bottle of Diet Coke and oh, we boiled God. it. Yeah. And you know what was left? What? Nothing. Really? There was, there was an acrid smell in our kitchen for like five hours. Oh, my God. It's and demented, was, dude. And it, and it just boiled. There was nothing left. Ugh. There was nothing in there once you boil it. Just chemicals. So we hey, actually had... You did this during Passover? You were like jonesing for something was, to do? It was right after Passover. Oh, okay. We were like, oh, what are we going to do with this bottle of Coke? Because, of course, it's Passover. You have to buy the kosher for Passover Coca-Cola. Okay. Not that we... But we, nobody drank it. So we're like, let's boil it. Let's, <laughs> let's see what would happen. That's yeah. so gross, dude. That yeah, seriously, bad, water is the way to go. Face. Water yeah. is the way to go. Um, but of course, again, going back to Bloombito, um, 
<laughs> that is a great Twitter handle. It's so funny. Uh, the fake the, Spanish. The, the um, Twitter account in Spanish. In yeah, Bloomberg and, Spanish. In Bloomberg Spanish, yeah. The, that may the, be worth going back to Twitter for. I, I, I actually think that there's a bigger constituency from Bloomberg out there. But I do. I think there's a bigger one than people suspect. Because I think that people do want, like, you know, things that Elizabeth Warren and others are saying, but I think they recognize that a moderate needs to win. I don't know whether that's true or not, but, but people are, are saying that. About? Who are the people who are saying this? I, are they, are you know what? Like I've had this conversation people? with people. I've are had like, friends from high school. Okay. Friends from people high school, not age. like the Wall Street types. People our age, though. Yeah. What, what this really is, what it boils down Gen to... Gen Xers though, like Bloombito? Is that yeah, it? No, what I'm saying is if Gen Xers and millennials all voted. Yeah. If younger people voted, if millennials came out and voted in the same percentages yeah. that, that boomers vote, then they could have whoever they wanted. It wouldn't have to even be a moderate Democrat. It could be Bernie. It could be Elizabeth Warren. See, because... They would tilt the election. So you think? You think? What do you think the answer is then? Should we? Should we dig up I, Rock the Vote? I mean, <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, rock the vote. MTV rocks, baby. R- rock the vote. Um, I really do think that that is. The, look, if we can figure out a way to tap into the young vote and to get people actually to vote, then there were, it would be a landslide. Well, I think. I think to some extent, young people do want to vote. And remember the whole controversy with college students in these yep. red states that want yep. to vote and they're being blocked from doing it. I don't know what's wrong with Gen Xers, our generation. There aren't that many. I mean, there are not that many of us. Not that many, right? Right. We also, we graduated, we graduated into a pretty tough recession. Um, yeah, but it didn't last that long. Yeah, but it was pretty wrenching. It was, it was... Thirty years ago, I know, but people are—you know—it's still—it takes a long time to make up for the fact that a generation was unemployable for a couple of years. So our yeah, overall how do you think earnings are, feel though. Right? No, I know. I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I can't explain. I can't explain Gen X because I—I I, you know I have voted in every election since I was able to vote, including exactly. absentee ballots. Me too. Including local elections. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me not to vote. Well, again, I think we're outliers in that sense that we were brought up a certain way, and you watched. Your right, I I remember going right. to the voting booth with right. my parents. Same, same yeah. here. So it was something that right. you did because it was part of your civic duty, for lack right. of a better term. That's what you did. You voted, but not everybody is like that. Well, I remember, and but it's weird. I remember, I was in grad school, and I sent, like, and it was election day, yeah. and I sent an email to like a bunch of people. I mean, maybe it's kind of presumptuous of me, kind of, when I think about it now, maybe I wouldn't have done that. But I said, hey, you know, it's election day, everybody get out there and vote and stuff. Yeah. And I got a couple of responses from people that said, well, I'm not, you know, my vote really doesn't make a difference, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what? Here's the thing, though. To an extent, that's true. And I was just going to say that. Think no, I know. It. Think right. about this. You and I vote no matter what. Right. And more often than not, we walk into a polling booth. Where there is no choice, even because right. in my neighborhood, Maryland is deep, deep blue, and in, in my New York is deep blue. In, in the local, except elections. we have a Republican governor. Okay, that's fine. But what I'm saying is, most of the elections that you vote in, right. it wouldn't even matter if you vote. I know, you know, and we you still do it. We have and you friends. Still do it. We have friends who moved from Maryland to Northern Virginia, 
not for any up. political reason, but now that they're like, you guys should move. When we were moving here, they're like, you, you guys need to move to Northern Virginia because we need to flip the state blue. Yeah, and then the next thing you know, Maryland turns red because everybody likes it. <laughs> well, Maryland is like a one-party state. Um, but I'm, what I'm saying right. is we vote even though we know. I know, even though it doesn't matter. matter. I know, we could stay home, but right. I still vote. But we right. don't. So why is it that more people aren't voting? I don't why know. Why is it that more young people aren't voting? I don't buy into, well, they are so cynical. Like, come on. You know, there's you a... Be, you can't be that cynical at that young of an age. I meant to tell I meant to tell you this and, and send you the article. I'm so jet-lagged this week and so, in such a fog. There's a, there's a voter suppression controversy going on in Montgomery County, Maryland, in blue, blue Montgomery County, Maryland, because the state election board is appointed by the governor, who's a Republican. And so, so how are they trying to do So they, there, is, there are parts of Montgomery County that are um, actually quite poor. Yeah. Uh, there's a heavy uh, Latino population. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an old African-American population that goes back to sharecropping. Yeah. And these are underserved parts of the county in every way. Oh, like and we, so that there's, there's like in, in different places, yeah. different places. M- much of it is in the eastern part of the county, but not all of it. There's, there's pockets of it in the western part of it, which is uh-huh. a wealthier part of the county. So they want to open an early voting location yeah. in one of these places that's underserved and it is uh-huh. primarily Latino. And the state board of elections is resisting it in every which way. On what grounds? Well, they're saying that it's too expensive. It costs X amount of Of money. And then, and so then they say, then they say, okay, well, we don't, we shouldn't put it there, but we should put it in Potomac. Potomac. There's no problem with voting in Potomac. That's ridiculous. So, and and Potomac being, Potomac being wealthier, they figure there's more Republican votes there. So they're really interested in the solution. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So then they're saying, okay, well, if you're going to put it in one of these underserved places, you need to put it in these other places where there is no problem with this. You know, these are places where there are no actual places to vote on the day. Yeah, that's insane. It's insane. And no public transportation. It's time for the people to take the power back. Yeah. That's what it is. If you're going to prevent people from voting, then the people have no choice. Right. You gotta get out in the streets. Well, I thought about it. I said if they don't put an early voting place there, I'm gonna take the day off on election day and, and drive people to vote. Just ferry people back and forth. It's probably not a scalable solution, though. But I think no. But but what was going on was a guy who had done that. Yeah. He they he was the leader of this. I think there's a lawsuit. Yeah. Against the state board of elections and. He, what happened was he noticed that people couldn't vote in this area. And so he started, you know, he got a bunch of people together and they were ferrying people back and forth. And so when it came down to determining where there were going to be early voting locations, this was one that the county suggested and wanted to have. And the state board of elections said no. So if it still is a no, I'm going to join this guy with his caravan of people ferrying people back and forth so that they can vote. Yeah, I mean that's a nice thing, but that just highlights how broken the system. Well, right. Is. It's like it's like all these people like 
you know, ooh and ah over the kid who opens the lemonade stand to help pay for a parent's cancer yeah. treatment. Like, if we lived in a normal place, right, in a normal country, happen. that yeah. wouldn't happen. It, it should never come to that. Right, yeah. exactly. 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 So, so I'm not saying it's a solution, but at least you get people to the voting uh, to the voting location. Anyway, I don't know. That's I don't know. This is just it's been a depressing week. It's been a very so depressing week. The, usually, the uplifting thing, though, the uplifting thing is it reinforces people yeah. like uh, Fiona Hill, Bill Taylor. Uh, what's his name? George, uh, was it Grant? What's the, what's the guy's name? Who's the Ukraine, the DAS, the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Ukraine and Eastern Europe. These people, the guy, the guy from the embassy in Ukraine, Holmes, and the, and the tens and tens and thousands of others who are civil servants and foreign service officers who are extraordinarily smart and dedicated to their country and dedicated to the principles of on which they were handed. That's the only silver lining you in this the week. Deep, the deep state? <laughs> the, the deep state is interested in upholding the principles and ideals upon which right. the country is founded. I mean, that, that, If that's the deep state, then I'm with the deep state. Seriously, but that is what is so hard for people to get their heads around. It's like, what right. do you mean you do this because you love the country? Like, well, right. how come you're not richer? How right. come you're not making more money? Right. Like, People don't get it. Remember, and isn't that amazing? A number of years ago, the, 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 there was some controversy over pay for civil servants and saying, right. oh, they get paid so much. <laughs> Believe me, they don't. Please. Believe me. Please. Anyway. All right. I wish right. we had more of a happy thought to leave people with before Thanksgiving, but yeah. I guess we should be well, careful that we still have a semi for Well... And just, you know, be thankful for the people around you, that's all. Yeah, man. That's it. That's it. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We're out. Happy Thanksgiving.